You know, when you, um, when you think about what makes a church, it's diverse. You got people from all ends of the spectrum. And when it comes to worship, um, when it comes to worship, you know, you've got, you've, you got the, the, the rocker maybe. You got the guy who just stands still at one end of the spectrum. Like, it doesn't matter what God is doing. I'm going to worship him right here, you know? And then, like, you get the toe tap, and maybe you get the rocker, you know? Then maybe you get about a 10%, you know? All the way to the other end of the spectrum, hands up, running back and forth at the front. You know what I mean? Like, just worshiping, going for it. And, and what I feel like God wants you to know this morning is we're, we cover the spectrum. There's nothing wrong with wherever you are. Like, for me... God's moving. It's awesome. It's powerful. You'll see me. I'm like this. That's a 10 for me. I'm like, I'm pegged, okay? I don't have a flag. I don't dance. I don't jump. That's me. You know what I mean? So don't feel like when you're looking around, you're going, man, I am totally freaked out right now. It's okay. It's okay. It takes all kinds. We've got a whole spectrum represented in this church, and that's awesome. What we want is for you to be able to worship in the way that you worship. We want you to experience God, period. However that might look for you, however that you might respond to it, but what we want you to experience is freedom in that. Experience freedom in that. What does that look like for you to be able to experience God in the freedom that he gives us and that we want to extend in a church? We don't want to tell you um, what you have to do to be able to experience God. You experience God the way that you experience him, and we represent a broad spectrum in this church, and that's one of the things that I love about it. And um, I get to bring the, I don't know what, the cold, hard, unfeeling, the less expressionful person uh, of the church You know, but I I represent a demographic in the church that I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the things that he does. I believe in the way that we worship, and yet it looks different for me. And this morning, um, we've been been talking about uh, some of the distinctives of River City Church. We've been talking about the things that are important to us as a church. We believe that we are part of a much bigger body of believers, that River City Church is just one church. There are many churches, and we all pick things that are distinctive that we emphasize. And one of the things that we emphasize in, in, at River City Church is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We believe that um, this is something that's so important that we emphasize it, and that we teach on it, and that we encourage a lot. And um, so we've been talking about what does that mean? What does it mean when we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean uh, that we are a church that focuses on that? And so we've been talking about that, and I figured, you know, I get to bring some of my perspective this morning on the Holy Spirit. And hopefully, for those of you who are more like me, that may be more analytical, like your mind has you in a, in, a, in a place where I just don't know if I can do that because my mind won't let me. You know, I just think too much to be able to lift my hands. I just think too much to be able to even, I can't, I can't even be a rocker. I can't even do the rocking thing. Like, I just can't. My mind won't let me. My hope, my prayer this morning is that as we talk about the Holy Spirit, your mind will give you permission. That your mind will give you permission to step out and to experience God maybe in a way that you haven't. Not that because you have to. Not because, you know, you're more spiritual if you do. But because we want you to experience God however you experience him. And we want you to have freedom to do that. We don't want anything to hold you back. So let me pray for that. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the church. We thank you for the River City Church. We thank you for the Church of Jacksonville. We thank you for believers everywhere, Lord, that are worshiping you. And we pray this morning that you would meet us, that you would meet us in a powerful way, that you would set us free 
to be able to worship you, that you would set us free to be able to understand and know and experience your spirit. God, that you would send him this morning, that his spirit would set us free. God, that your spirit would speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We talk about the Holy Spirit, and you know, everybody has some amount of baggage when it comes to it. I remember somebody was saying how uh, when they were a kid, they used to pray that the Father and Son would protect them from the Holy Ghost, you know? You could see that, you know, like the Holy Ghost. Nobody says Holy Ghost anymore. Why? Because it's too scary. People are like, Holy Ghost. That just doesn't sound good. Well, Holy Spirit or something else. But we believe the Holy Spirit, part of God. We believe just like Jesus is God, Holy Spirit is God. Just like Jesus is one person of the Trinity that makes up God, we believe the Holy Spirit is one person that makes up God, one of the parts of this Trinity. And I would love to explain the Trinity Yeah, it's not going to happen, right? Anybody that does explain the Trinity to you, beware, okay? If we could fit God into our brains, if we could fit God into a box, then that's not the God that we read about in the Bible. That's not the God who could have created everything that we can't even fathom. And the Trinity is just one touch of the awesomeness of God that is incomprehensible. But somehow, somehow, the, the church... Over, over years, has recognized that, that God is three persons in one. That it is so important that, that it is part of our creed, part of our core beliefs as Christians, that God is three persons in one. That he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so this morning we look at the Holy Spirit, and what I want to do is look through scriptures. And we believe the scripture to be absolutely authoritative at River City Church. We believe that the Bible, that the scriptures were given to us so that we can know God um, in in his history, in his relationship with us. But we don't believe, uh, a friend of mine who said, uh, he said, you know, we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. You know, and there's some truth to that. Like, there's people that, that get into that trap. We believe that the scriptures are authoritative, that they are a gift from God, but they are the breath of the Holy Spirit. They are revelation that has come from God uh, throughout history. And we can look at it and we can understand who God is, but it's not the fullest revelation of God. There is more to God than what we can read about in the Bible. And right now, maybe you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, that sounds bad. But think about that for a second. God can't be contained in our brain, much less a book. We can only read about so much. God can only tell us about so much. That's why, one of the reasons that Jesus says that I'm going to send a spirit, and he is going to be the one to lead you into truth. So when you read the scriptures, the spirit makes it alive. And all of a sudden, it changes something today. Even though you're reading about the history of some dude... 2,000 years ago, it speaks directly into your circumstance. Why? How? Because of the Holy Spirit, because he makes it real. He leads us into truth. Okay, all of that to say that we're going to be looking at the scriptures, and it's one of our core beliefs as a church that uh, the scriptures are authoritative. And so we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. We're going to start in the Old Testament and just take a look at who is the Holy Spirit. Who is he? Because we all have hang-ups. So if you start in the Old Testament, the word... um, the word is interesting because it carries so much of, uh, of who the Holy Spirit is. It can be translated a bunch of different ways, and it, and it carries different kind of flavors. Um, wind. The word for Holy Spirit sometimes can be translated as wind or breath or spirit. 
And so each of those kind of carries some of the, the, um, some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. So when you think about wind, the way that the, the wind is described is unseen but incredible force. Even Jesus used the wind to illustrate the Holy Spirit, that, that we can't see the wind, but we see the effects. It's powerful. If you think about the wind, it, it, you could go out there and, it, well, I mean, let's go out there in a hurricane, right? It could totally blow you away, but you can't even see it. But the power is uncontrolled. It's uncontrollable. You might be able to put up a sail and, and use it to, to, to take you somewhere, but you are not controlling the wind. All you're doing is riding on it. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uncontrollable, powerful, unseen force. Something that can't be domesticated. Many times we read about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon people. Even in the New Testament, the Spirit comes upon people. And it has this, this impression that the Spirit comes on them as, an, as something from outside. Something that comes on them. So with the wind, you think about that, it it, it blows on you. The Holy Spirit comes on people. It comes and it it brings change. It brings power. It brings the presence of God. Ordinary people do supernatural things. Ordinary people do supernatural things. The Spirit of the Lord, many times when something crazy is about to happen, it'll say, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and then craziness ensued. That, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a bunch of different, different scriptures and translating them that way. The Spirit of the Lord comes on them, and all of a sudden, Samson tears apart a lion, okay? That's the kind of stuff. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon, and then, and then craziness ensues. The power of God is revealed in a supernatural way in a person who, who could not do that naturally. The Holy Spirit comes and does these crazy, incredible things. Different. You know, especially in the modern church, we like to talk about God coming as the gentle whisper, which he does. He can come as a gentle whisper, but he doesn't always come as a gentle whisper. There's plenty of examples where it's a roaring wind, and it comes and it brings change, and it brings power, and it brings incredible things. We have to remember sometimes that God can, and that he does, break into human life in the violent, in the unexpected in the alien way that he does, something that's outside of this world. But God controls him. He sends him and he causes him to cease. We also see um, the word used for breath, that the spirit of the Lord is closely tied to the word of the Lord, that when the spirit comes, he brings revelation from God, that the words of God are spoken by the Holy Spirit. This connection between the spirit and the word for example, in one of the prophets, he says this in 2 Samuel. He says, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is upon my tongue. This idea that the spirit, the spirit is, are, is, represents the very words of God, that he is the breath of God. It is by the spirit of the Lord that prophets, prophets declare the word of the Lord. When a prophet was to say, this is what God wants you to know, this is what God wants you to experience, it would be by the power of the Spirit, be be revelation from the Spirit of God that those words would be spoken. We we, We cannot neglect the relationship between the Word and the Spirit, like I was talking about early, earlier. When we think about um, many of us, many Christians believe in the authority of the Scriptures and yet neglect the relationship between the Scriptures and the Spirit. Even the translators, translators sit down to translate the Bible. I don't care how conservative they are. You know what they do? They pray. 
God, help us to understand. Help us to understand what we're doing. Help us to translate into, into words that people can understand exactly what you want to say to them. What they're saying is, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, reveal to us your truth. And the word is also translated just simply as Holy Spirit. Perfect presence of God in this world. Holy, something that is totally set apart, something that is totally um, perfect. There's no blemish, there's nothing wrong, totally perfect. And there's a problem with that because we have a holy God who can't rest on the unholy. We have uh, guys entering the, the holy of holies, the place where, you know, the presence of God in, in the temple. And they would go through incredible rituals and they would wear special underwear to be able to go in there and to be in the presence of God. They had to, to go through a cleansing process to be able to experience God because he was holy. He is holy. And for them to experience him as an unholy person, they had to go through a cleansing to get to a place where they could even relate with him. Countless examples of the Spirit coming for a particular instance, for a particular person, for a particular time, but he's always on loan because he's holy and he can't live there. He can't live in an imperfect place. He can't live in an imperfect person. And there was no mediator. There was no one one to stand in the gap to, to mediate this holy presence of God into unholy people poured out on particular people at particular times for particular purposes. And he was not given to most. The Holy Spirit did not come to most people. He came to prophets, priests, kings. These are the people that we read about. Again, we're talking Old Testament. Through his Holy Spirit, he reveals his will. He reveals something about himself. He equips and he empowers people to to accomplish his will. When the Spirit is applied to man, he's always on loan not a possession. One example, when we think about David, a king who experienced God's spirit in Psalm 51, I think we actually have this, Psalm 51, verses 9 through 11, he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. I am unholy. Block it out. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Because David knew that he could He knew that there's nothing I can do to earn your spirit. There is no way I can live up to the standard which which your spirit demands. Don't take him from me. Why? Because I need him. You hear in David's heart, I need, I cannot accomplish the things that you've given me to do without your spirit. Don't take him from me. We also read in the Old Testament this underlying promise of an anointed one. This underlying promise that one day someone will come and he will be anointed. Anointed meaning smeared, covered with the Holy Spirit. One day there will, there will be someone who will come and he will have the Holy Spirit perfectly. Not on loan. Not going to come and go. Holy Spirit anointed. This person will be the anointed one. Isaiah 42, 1 says, Here is my servant whom I delight, uh, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. And people, they hear that and they they knew this is a promise of the anointed one, that he would come and they expected justice to come in a way that they wanted. They wanted the spirit to come as a sword and a mallet to just crush everyone else, not recognizing that the anointed one would actually 
take it upon himself, and that's how he would bring justice to the nations. The justice would be inflicted on himself. They couldn't have known this. All they knew was that one day, someone would come totally anointed with the Holy Spirit. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people, not just, not just the select few. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, just like the prophets. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Man, that's incredible when you think about what, I, what I've been talking about with the Holy Spirit. This promise that one day, he's going to come for everyone. One day, the power of the Holy Spirit will be available to all people that follow God. That all people will be able to experience this thing that has been limited to such a select few for so long. The promise of an anointed one. And then we have Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Christ literally meaning the anointed one. Jesus comes on the scene with the title of the anointed one. He announces it like this in Luke chapter 4 verses 14 through 19. He says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. As was his custom, he was surrounded by people who knew the Holy Spirit. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the history of God and how he revealed himself. And he stood up and he read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was a clear message. I am the anointed one. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, the Holy Spirit has been poured out in a perfect way on me. I am the one that's anointed. God has revealed to me, I have a purpose that I'm going to accomplish. And that, that will be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the supreme bearer of the Holy Spirit. The only one to date that, that held it perfectly. The only one who could receive the Holy Spirit in a perfect way. And we'll see in a little while, not only was he unique in his receiving the Spirit, but also we'll see that he is the dispenser. Jesus says strikingly at one place that he can do nothing. He can do nothing except by the Spirit. Jesus is empowered by the Spirit, by the presence of God in him. God the Son, empowered by God the Spirit. We see in him the first spirit man. One place in Paul, he refers to him as a second Adam. He's like a whole new creation. He's a man who perfectly receives the Spirit. By the power of the same Spirit, he preaches the good news of God's love and forgiveness, and he proclaims freedom from sin and death that would ultimately come from his death and resurrection. And his ministry is to bring forgiveness to the world, and by his actions, release the Holy Spirit to live in the very souls of believers. Jesus accomplishes this ministry, but he's limited by his flesh and blood. He's limited in this space and time. When God steps into flesh, he steps into time, into space, and he can only be in one place at a time. He can only talk with so many people. He is limited in the flesh. 
But the Spirit is rightly called the Spirit of Jesus because he continues the ministry of Jesus. He does it in a more personal, close relationship than Jesus could ever accomplish in the flesh. Think about that for a moment. The Spirit has the same ministry of Jesus to draw people to himself, to draw people into relationship with God, to reveal the truth of God and who we are, who we've been created to be and how we can be in relationship with him. The Spirit continues that ministry, but in a more intimate way than Jesus ever could because Jesus was in flesh and blood. You know, people always say, oh, I'd love to, you know, be around when Jesus was around. And Jesus says the opposite. Jesus is like, no, man, it's going to be better when I leave because when I leave, I'm going to release the Spirit and he's going to come and he's going to live in you. No more words, no more, you know, limitations of flesh and blood. The Spirit will come upon you and it's going to be totally different. John uh, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Great scripture. You could read it later. Um, let, me, let me just say a couple things. Verse 7, he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. It is good. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is good. Why is it good? Because he's going to come and he's going to reveal more than I ever could. Jesus looked around and he saw the eyes of the people that he would be able to connect with. And then he saw the eyes of the people he would not be able to speak to. That he would not be able to sit down and have coffee. Okay, I don't know if he drank coffee. I shouldn't have said that. But he knows there's people I'm not going to be able to minister to. There's people that I'm not going to be able to be in relationship with as long as I am in flesh and blood. But, but, it, it's going to be good for you that I go away because when the Spirit comes, he's going to lead you into the same truth that I want to lead you into, but he's going to do it in a more powerful way, in a more intimate way than I ever could. He's going to continue my ministry. He goes on in verse 13. He says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. We see characterizations of of the Spirit here, that he is counselor, that he is comforter, that he is one who guides us into truth. In verse 14, he says, He will bring glory to me. This is also important because, uh, you know, I hear criticisms of the Holy Spirit as if, you know, we can't worship the Holy Spirit. Um, Holy Spirit is God. He's a person of God. We worship the Holy Spirit. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus, the work of Jesus. As we worship the Holy Spirit, we worship Jesus. We worship what he has done for us. The Holy Spirit draws us to this place of of recognizing the work that's been accomplished by Jesus so that we can understand the gospel, so that no longer will things get in the way between us being able to relate with God, to be able to worship God. The Spirit continues that ministry. Jesus exercised it on the cross, and the Spirit administers that, uh, that ministry. So he, he makes this statement about, it's better for me to go away. In Acts 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Not only are you going to receive intimacy, not only is he going to comfort you, not only is he going to counsel you and draw you to the truth, but you will receive power. Why? Why are you going to receive power? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to accomplish, just like in the Old Testament, to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish. You will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And it's not going to be limited to a few. All of you will go out and continue this ministry that I have started. Then we have the beginning of the church. We have the church um, beginning in Acts, 
Jesus dispenses, he gives the Holy Spirit in a way that only he could. After Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit becomes readily available to all believers. Jesus was, the, was anointed by the Spirit, he lived by the Spirit, and eventually he passed his Spirit on to the church, to those that would believe in him, to those that would put their faith in him. Just as the Spirit gave Jesus power for his ministry on earth, we see the Spirit giving us power the newly formed church, power to continue that ministry. John 14, 12, Jesus said this at one point. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to go. I'm going to restore your relationship. I am going to remove this barrier of, of holiness. Why? Because I'm going to take away all of your junk. I'm going to suck it away and I'm going to replace it with my holiness. I'm going to replace it with my righteousness. This is Orthodox Christianity. We believe that Jesus on the cross sucked away all the junk in our lives and replaced it with his holiness. Why? So that we could be in perfect relationship with God, so that no longer would our junk get in the way. No longer. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And as a side effect, the Holy Spirit can now live in us. We can receive the Holy Spirit in a way that we couldn't before. In Acts 19.2, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Many people in the church don't know there is a Holy Spirit. We're too scared of the Holy Ghost to study him, to read about him, to believe about him. We blow past scriptures that might make us feel uncomfortable about that. But we see in Paul this urgency. Well, you don't know? No, we didn't even hear there was. So much so, we've got a book called The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And he just talks about the tragic neglect of the third person of the Trinity. I haven't read the book, but I've heard really good things about it. I would recommend it. It's a light read on the, uh, I I believe, Francis Chan is kind of a light uh, author. He's not going to go too deep. If you say, well, I want deep, I want C.S. Lewis, you know, casual theology. I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is a great book, okay? Um, It's a good reference book, too. It's got a a good table of contents, so you can flip through and find if there are certain scriptures you want to study or certain things about the Spirit. This is by Michael Green. Both of these books are in the bookstore. I seriously would recommend them. If this is something that you're really struggling with, again, I want to get you to the point where your mind gives yourself permission to experience God, to worship him uh, in a way that you're not hindered, to be able to read scriptures about the Holy Spirit and not feel uncomfortable and to feel like, I I, I don't want to touch that. That's not me. It's all of us. We all have the Spirit. Okay. Um, Why? Why do we do this? Why do we try to domesticate the Holy Spirit? Why do we try to fit him into a box? Why do we we neglect him? I believe it's because he's, he's dangerously unpredictable. All through scripture. It's just true. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit, he's dangerously unpredictable. God is dangerously unpredictable. He chooses to do things in a way that are in spite of earthly wisdom. And I believe he does it because it brings him more glory. Why does he choose to use a person like me? I don't know. I don't know. But I am so humbled by it. I'm like so excited that God would choose to do that. For all of us, that's our response Why does he do it in spite of ourselves? That's because it brings him more glory. And it's by his spirit that this is accomplished. Okay, the spirit, we also know he's a person. Today, the Holy Spirit, he's not a spooky feeling. 
He's not, oh, I have goosebumps. Okay, you might have goosebumps, but he's not that feeling. He's a person. He's someone we experience that we communicate with. He's not a thing or an it. His ministry in the world reached a new level with the anointed one. But then he comes into the life of every believer. And this is also important for us as a church. We believe that we all have the Holy Spirit. If you have your faith in Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. I haven't felt the Holy Spirit. I haven't, you know, I haven't danced around. I haven't jumped. I haven't exercised the gifts. Doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. Just means you haven't surrendered or you haven't experienced that dimension of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you don't have him. That doesn't mean that he's not living in you. You know, it's funny when we pray, you know, people that, people that find things to get offended by, um, we say things like, come Holy Spirit, and they're like, oh, well, Holy Spirit's already here, so why are you saying that? <laughs> Touche, right? Well, yeah, he's still here. Just like we pray for people, we say, God, be with this person. Do you think God's like, oh, what, where? You know, Jesus, be with this person. Jesus is like, what, huh? I didn't know about that. Thanks. I'm going to go right now. I'm going to get in my Jesus mobile. You know what I mean? When we say, I'm sorry, that was so bad. When we say, Holy Spirit, come, all we're saying is, man, I want to experience more. I read about stuff in the scriptures and I want to experience it for myself. And I come from a place of believing, Holy Spirit, that you are inside of me. Come, Holy Spirit, find me open to be able to receive more of you. Pour more into my life. Let me, help me to surrender more of who I am so that I can experience more of you. That's what we mean. That's what we mean. We don't think that, that the Holy Spirit is somewhere else and we have to call him over. We believe he's here. We just want to stir him up. We just want to experience him. He will not leave you, I believe that he will not leave you. What I read about in the scriptures makes it sound to me like when we put our faith in Christ, we put our faith in Christ. It's gone. All of our junk is gone and we receive his holiness, his righteousness, not to be taken away. There's no deed that we can do to, to lose the spirit that's poured out on us. My humble opinion. And he has a mission, that he comes with a mission for us. In the Old Testament, we know that he was poured out on specific people for specific purposes. And today, the Spirit comes to bear witness to the risen Christ. The Spirit comes in us to bear witness to the risen Christ, to the things that he's accomplished in our lives, to the things that he's doing. And he does this by comforting us, by encouraging us, by leading us into truth, and by pouring out gifts. Why, why do we say that we're charismatic? Well, we believe in the gifts. We believe that when the Spirit comes, that sometimes he does crazy, unpredictable things. And some of those crazy, unpredictable things are the gifts of the Spirit that they are just an overflow of what God might be doing. But they always are to accomplish the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit of Jesus, which is to bring glory to God. It, it is to draw attention. The mission is to draw attention to what Jesus has accomplished for all of us, for all of us. When we pray, Holy Spirit, send your gifts. Man, I want to see Antley healed. Why? Well, partly because I want Antley to come back. I love teaching, but I want Antley to come back but partly because I want Jesus to know more of the work that Jesus has accomplished. I want everybody in Antley's family to know all that Jesus has accomplished. Come, heal him, bring glory to yourself in the process. When we pray for the gifts to be poured out, for prophecy, for healing, for knowledge, for whatever the, the gift may be, we are praying that that spirit would be poured out for the purpose. We come for the purpose of revealing more of who Jesus is. 
Lazarus saying, if that was you. All right, it's only 1140. That's not too bad. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Hopefully I've gotten you to a place where for those of you that, man, I'm just so wrapped up in my, my mind, in my head, I cannot experience God, you know, because I feel like experience is a bad thing. You know, like it's more important for me to understand with my mind. Well, everyone's different. Everyone's different. And we experience God. We understand things, not just in our head, but we experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. They, they should be in check. They should be consistent with who God is. They should be consistent with what we know in our head to be true. But we should not limit it. And so what I want to do now is just have everybody stand. And you're like, oh, I knew this was coming. The people are like, oh, I go to the church. They have great worship. But as soon as the ministry time starts, I bolt. I'm out of there. I'm going to ask you this morning to just, to just let me explain what I believe to be what we believe as a church in terms of the Holy Spirit. That we believe that we, can, that we can hear from him. We believe that he is the comforter, that he is the encourager, that he draws us to truth. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask him. I believe if you're here this morning and you have put your faith in Christ, don't be afraid. The Spirit of God is with you. I'm not going to pray that the Spirit of God is going to come on you because he's not already there. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're just going to hold, hold out our hands in surrender and say, God, hey, 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 take more of me. Take more of me and, and just fill it with yourself. I believe that you're inside of me. I believe in the things that you're doing. We're going to hold our hands out and just surrender and say, come, I want to experience you. I want you to draw me to truth. Some of us this morning, we need comfort. Some of us this morning, we need that encouragement that the Spirit comes to bring. So let me open us up to that this morning.